Welcome to our Sunday school class, continuing our study of the book of Jeremiah. If you'll turn with me in your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 19. I'm going to actually, uh, let me uh, open our time together with a word of prayer. Let's pray. Gracious God, we do thank you for your sovereignty and your power. Uh, even as we discussed last week, uh, you as the potter, uh, are the one who has the right to uh, shape the clay for uh, vessels according to your intentions, uh, whether vessels for honorable purposes or vessels uh, for dishonor. We thank you um, for your faithfulness to your covenant and uh, how you uh, showed your love for your people over and over again, even uh, as they were committing uh, the most astounding acts of wickedness. Uh, before you, that uh, you sent prophets like Jeremiah to, to call them to return and to repent. Um, but we also uh, know that uh, your judgment uh, must come and that uh, you purposed to bring that judgment upon uh, the people of Judah and on the people of Jerusalem, uh, even as you used Jeremiah to tell them of this current judgment. Lord, may we not be like the hearers in Jeremiah's day uh, who refused to listen, who were stiff-necked, um, who uh, sought to go their, their own ways and follow the own uh, evil desires in their heart rather than to follow your commands and your law. And that's why um, we, we ask that uh, you would give us ears to hear, um, that you would uh, help us to repent of our sin and call us to faith and our Savior, Jesus Christ, that this is something that we do uh, every moment of every day, of every week, of every month, of every year, that we would uh, humble ourselves, uh, be willing to acknowledge our sinfulness and wrongdoing, that we deserve nothing, but that in Christ Jesus, you give us everything, even uh, redemption and forgiveness of our sins uh, as he's taken the penalty from us, uh, and even more than that, uh, eternal life with you. We ask that you would be with us this morning as we study your word, guide us into uh, uh, your truth, uh, help us to uh, uh, encourage and edify one another as we study your word together. Uh, may all that we do be guided by your Holy Spirit. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so just to recap, so back in chapter 18, uh, last week, uh, you'll remember God took Jeremiah on a field trip. Uh, to the potter's house, um, and as Jeremiah watched the potter work and saw how the potter uh, would shape a vessel and then realized the vessel, uh, because of some quality in the clay, you know, wasn't fit for the purpose he intended, so would rework the vessel into a, a, different, um, um, a different vessel than, than the one he had started out to make. And then uh, he goes on to say, in the same way, God has the sovereign power to do with the nations, not just with uh, Israel and Judah, but with all the nations, uh, to do whatever he wills with them. So, and, and he can build in the contingency, nations that he had determined to destroy. If, if they listen um, and turn from their evil, then I will relent of the disaster that I intended to do, it says God. Um, but a nation whom he had purposed to do good, if that nation 
um, does not listen to my voice, then I will relent of the good that I intended to do it. Um, and, and so uh, God uses this, this image, um, this symbolic action, to declare his intention that just as the potter shaped his clay, so he was shaping disaster against his people of Judah unless they return everyone from his evil way and amend your ways and your deeds. And we saw that the people uh, responded to this call by saying, that is in vain, we will follow our own plans and will everyone act according to the stubbornness of his evil heart. So in response, God declares uh, judgment against them for their betrayal of the covenant uh, in their obstinate pursuit of idolatry. Uh, instead of, again, repenting, the people instead plot against the prophet of Jeremiah, uh, saying, let's go do to him uh, what we will. Um, they prefer the false message that came from their leader, religious leadership uh, rather than the words of God that came from the lips of Jeremiah. In the chapter, uh, you'll recall last week, ended with Jeremiah calling out imprecations upon the people, um, uh, demanding that God bring swift and horrible destruction. He's not inventing these curses, but calling down the very curses that God said he would bring against his people when they rebelled. So today, as we shift to chapter 19, we kind of see Jer Jeremiah taking a souvenir from the potter shop <laughs> uh, with him. Um, and then he takes uh, some of the, the political and religious leaders of, of Jerusalem on a field trip of their own. Um, they go to uh, the Valley of Ben-Hinnah, um, or the Valley, uh, it's the Gehenna in the New Testament, so it's uh, the, where they, Jerusalem dumps its trash. <laughs> um, it's also where Jerusalem, as we'll see, sacrificed their children. Um, so through another one of Jeremiah's symbolic prophetic actions, God announces that he will use Babylon to shatter his people because of the horrible ways they've worshipped other gods. When Jeremiah repeats this message in the precincts of the temple, the temple chief beats him and confines him in the stocks, uh, leading Jeremiah to tell of that officer's own coming doom. Uh, so today, just to let you know, we'll be reading through, we're, we're doing more than a chapter. <laughs> I know, highly unusual for me. Um, we'll, we're going to go through chapter 20, verse 6, because uh, it's all kind of part of one, as you'll see, it's kind of part of one narrative story. Uh, so we can get the whole of the narrative and we can see the reaction to Jeremiah's temple message. Uh, we'll read into chapter 20, uh, verse 6. So hear now the word of God from Jeremiah chapter 19, uh, reading through chapter 20, verse 6. Thus says the Lord, go buy a potter's earthenware flask and take some of the elders of the people and some of the elders of the priests and go out into the valley of the son of Hinnom at the entry of the potsherd gate and proclaim there the words that I tell you. You shall say, hear the word of the Lord, O kings of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I am bringing such disaster upon this place that the ears of everyone who hears of it will tingle. Because the people have forsaken me and have profaned this place by making offerings in it to other gods whom neither they nor their fathers nor the kings of Judah have known. 
and because they have filled this place with the blood of innocence and have built the high places of Baal to burn their sons in the fire as burnt offerings to Baal, which I did not command or decree, nor did it come into my mind. Therefore, behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when this place shall no more be called Topheth, or the valley of the son of Hinnom, but the valley of slaughter. And in this place I will make void the plans of Judah and Jerusalem, and will cause their people to fall by the sword before their enemies, and by the hand of those who seek their life. I will give their dead bodies for food to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the earth. And I will make this city a horror, a thing to be hissed at. Everyone who passes by it will be horrified and will hiss because of all its wounds. And I will make them eat the flesh of their sons and their daughters, and everyone shall eat the flesh of his neighbor in the siege and in the distress with which their enemies and those who seek their life afflict them. Then you shall break the flask in sight of the men who go with you and shall say to them, thus says the Lord of hosts, so will I break this people and this city as one breaks a potter's vessel so that it can never be mended. Men shall bury in Topheth because there will be no place else to bury. Thus I will do to this place, declares the Lord, and to its inhabitants making this city like Topheth. The houses of Jerusalem and the houses of the kings of Judah, all the houses on whose roofs offerings have been offered to all the host of heaven and drink offerings have been poured out to other gods, shall be defiled like the place of Topheth. Then Jeremiah came from Topheth where the Lord had sent him to prophesy, and he stood in the court of the Lord's house and said to all the people, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I am bringing upon this city and upon all its towns all the disaster that I have pronounced against it, because they have stiffened their neck, refusing to hear my words. Now Pasher, the, son, the priest, the son of Emmer, who was chief officer in the house of the Lord, heard Jeremiah prophesying these things. Then Pasher beat Jeremiah the prophet and put him in the stocks that were in the upper Benjamin gate of the house of the Lord. The next day when Pasher released Jeremiah from the stocks, Jeremiah said to him, the Lord does not call your name Pasher, but terror on every side. For thus says the Lord, behold, I will make you a terror to yourself and to all your friends. They shall fall by the sword of their enemies while you look on, and I will give all Judah into the hand of the king of Babylon. He shall carry them captive to Babylon and shall strike them down with the sword. Moreover, I will give them all the wealth of the city, all its gains, all its prized belongings, and all the treasures of the kings of Judah into the hands of their enemies, who shall plunder them and seize them and carry them to Babylon. And you, Pashur, and all who dwell in your house shall go into captivity. To Babylon you shall go, and there you shall die, and there you shall be buried, you and all your friends, to whom you have prophesied falsely. Thus far the reading of God's holy word. May he bless it as we talk of it together this morning. Okay, so uh, God tells Jeremiah here to take some of the elders of the people and some of the elders of the priest and go out to the valley of the son of Hinnom at the entry of the pots, potsherd gate and there to deliver God's word to them. 
So my first question is why? <laughs> um, how does the, where the message is proclaimed connect to what Jeremiah has to say to them? Yeah, Rob. Yeah, so what Rob's referring to is the Valley of Ben-Hinnom, um, which uh, later in the New Testament is referred to as Gehenna. Uh, that becomes, um, you know, the, the image of the, the doorway to hell. Like Gehenna, it becomes a synonym for this place of smoking, fiery torment. So, uh, yeah, so by going to the gate uh, that leads out into that valley, it's, it's literally, he's, he's taking them to, to this place that it um, symbolizes uh, divine everlasting judgment. Yeah, Ronnie. Yeah, that even this place, like, and again, it's, so for them at this moment, this is their, this is the town dump. <laughs> um, you know, this is where, uh, you know, the dung gate leads out into this valley. So it's where all the town's rubbish and trash um, and potsherd, so potsherd is, is broken pieces of pottery. So again, it kind of gives you the sense of um, this is the place uh, this is the gate where the city takes its trash out to deposit it in this valley outside the city walls. Um, and as Ronnie's saying, this is the city where you, like, you wouldn't like throw people <laughs> it normally just into, you know, the town dump. Like you put them in a, a more honorable place. But in this valley, uh, Jeremiah is saying, in this coming judgment. Um, that you, you're, this will be not just the, a dump, but a cemetery. And even, a, you know, a place where bodies are laying around. They're not even buried. They're just kind of left there for birds of the air and beasts of the field to devour. So uh, it's a horrible place to begin with <laughs> in that sense. And it's going to be even made more horrible uh, through the coming judgment of God on the city and um, and, and what he's going to do uh, in this place. Yeah, great. Yes. Yeah, 
so uh, let's start with what you ended with. Like, you know, they, because they have filled this place with the blood of innocence. Like, they're, they're, they're very children. They have built high places of Baal to burn their sons, and the fire is burnt offerings to Baal, which I did not command or decree. Um, and then um, you get this repetition um, of the word uh, topheth, um, and it's kind of unclear, like, like what that word means. <laughs> um, but most people, it's it's associated with child sacrifice. Um, there's a debate on like, is it the actual altar, or is it just kind of like a general term? Um, uh, some people think it's derived from Aramaic word meaning hearth. So it's that kind of image of uh, a place where things are are burned. Uh, so these tophas, um, and they become the synonym for the places where children are sacrificed. So when you see tophath, that is a reference to the place where where children are sacrificed. And like um, they've they've found um, these kinds of you know deities. Uh, it's like a big arm. So you kindle a fire in the stomach of you know, like so the stomach would be open and that's where you kindle the fire and it would have outstretched arms. So you would place the child in the arms and it would basically kind of roll down into this open mouth, down into the fire of the deity. So like horrifying. Um, and the one of the other places we see Topheth mentioned um, is in um, Kings. Let's see. So if you want to flip over to Second Kings, Second uh, Kings, chapter twenty-three. Um, so these are. This is a section where it's talking about um, the reforms of Josiah. So again, Josiah finds the book of the law in the temple. Um, he starts enacting. Um, you know, performing the law and removing all these places associated with um, idol worship. He, he brought down the Asherah from the house of the Lord. Uh, he broke down the houses of the male court, court prostitutes. He brought all the priests of the cities of Judah and, def and defiled the high places where the priest had made offerings. Uh, and then in verse 10, and he defiled Topheth which is in the valley of the son of Hinnom, that no one might burn his son or his daughter as an offering to Molech. So, so there we kind of see like uh, this reference to Topheth is, is basically, you know, it's not just a place name, it's a place that's only associated in the Old Testament with child sacrifice. So to, to have that word kind of repeated um, in, in this chapter, like, I think it's seven times he says the word Topheth is like emphasizing the the horrible abominations that happen in this place. So, so it's not just like um, a, a random place for Jeremiah to to give a sermon. It's a place deeply connected to the most abominable sins that uh, the people of Jerusalem Jerusalem have been committing. And that these these elders have been uh, allowing and even encouraging. So elders among from among the priests and elders of the people. So these are like the political and priestly leaders 
of the community are being brought to the place where these horrible things had taken place and the, the suggestion is like, so Josiah got rid of it and then after he dies, it like they build it back. So they're back to doing the same kinds of things they were doing before Josiah's reforms took place. Yeah, Mike. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, you're you're the, you're right. Like I think that's why these two chapters are put together. Like so, the contrast to last week, where the clay is still pliable, it can still be molded. Uh, God can still work His purposes in this people if they, you know, relent of their sin, if they repent, if they return, um, and they their stubborn, evil hearts say no. So now. You know the pot has is fired, and and once it's shattered, um, as you say, Mike, it, it's 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 unmendable, it's so that it can never be be mended. So this picture of last week of the potter manipulating his clay the way he wants to, and here the 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 idea of the pot being shattered, and that's what's going to happen to God's people because of their horrendous sins that have taken place um, all over the city and particularly in this place. Yeah, Dave. Like again, this is coming. This is not invention on um, Jeremiah's part. This isn't a new word from God. This is what God told them before they ever crossed the Jordan <laughs> into the land. If you do these abominable things, this is what's going to befall you. You know, you're, you'll be food for the the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Like you'll be carried off in captivity. Um, all these horrible things, the, all these curses will fall on you if you break my covenant. And, and the idea you know, that's being presented, that time has come. They have broken the covenant, so God is going to shatter them um, through these coming acts of destruction. It's not like new judgment being pronounced. It's this is what, from the beginning... I told you would happen if you did these things. 
you have done those things and, and therefore the judgment is rightly coming at this moment. Good, other things about you know, where they are, what, what's happening, what's significant about this place. Yeah, Ryan. Yeah, and he can actually bring it about. <laughs> it's, not, it's not empty words. Like, and again, these are the curses that he said he would befall, uh, that he would bring on these people if they did these evil things. And he is, is submitting them to, to this judgment. And um, to go back to, uh, we, I didn't get to the first thing that Greg said, but uh, um, yeah, let's talk about like, in what ways does the punishment fit the crime? Like as we s think about um, these judgments that are being pronounced, um, how do these judgments fit or, or, or inappropriate or as, as Greg said, kind of like mirror um, the sinful actions they've done? It's cold in here today, bra sweater. <laughs> so, so, yeah, Jay. Yeah, they have given their sons and daughters to these gods who aren't gods at all in order to be devoured. Um, and the, when the punishment comes, they themselves will be devouring their sons and their daughters and their neighbors. So this kind of like, um, and you get descriptions of this um, in, in other places in, in the Old Testament um, and in you know, extra biblical literature where people who, when they are besieged, turn to cannibalism. Um, that you know, the desperation reaches such where they're literally consuming themselves. Um, uh, as they're threatened to be um, destroyed by this invading force. And like, we're, we're not yet to this irony, but the irony is, is Jeremiah is telling them, surrender. Like, open the gates, let Babylon in. Like, he, like even when the judgment's coming, Jeremiah is, set, is telling them, like, you can avoid this if you, you, you know, give in to God's will, and God's will is to bring this judgment upon you through the people of Babylon, open the gates, let them in, and surrender. Um, and they, they refuse. Um, and they end up consuming their, their children and starving to death um, because their stubborn evil hearts do not recognize the right judgment of God even when it's on their doorstep and happening at the moment, they still want to follow 
their own intentions, their own wills. And the, the punishment of consuming their children matches their crime of them giving their children over to these gods to help bring about or continue prosperity. Uh, I think I've mentioned this before. My, um, one of my Old Testament professors was an archeologist um, and, and he was on the team that discovered um, outside Tyre, um, so just on the coast of Phoenician uh, settlement, an entire cemetery full of little pots with, with children. Um, and, and one of the things, um, like when he was telling that to us and applying it, you know, all right, this is the lesson for our current society. The, the moment they're sacrificing children the most is when times are good. Like we might think of it like times are bad, let's sacrifice the children so maybe the gods will, no, it, it was prosperity was rolling and they wanna keep it going. So how do we keep it going? Let's feed our children to, so we can continue in our happiness. And like, hmm, like does that make sound familiar in a society that aborts its children because the child's inconvenient for me at this moment or, um, you know, I, uh, they're too costly or I'm not at the right stage of life. Like a society that promotes destroying its children as an expression of our prosperity. Like you go in other places in the world that you know are poor, they're not killing their children because <laughs> their children are potential workers and um, it's prosperous societies. Um, societies that have an abundance are the ones who lead the way in destroying their children. Um, and, and we have that image here. Um, like, you know, they have, they're so invested in their material prosperity that they're, they've been willing to sacrifice their very sons and daughters. And the judgments that's gonna come is in their, um, their desperation and their lack of material, their own ability to materially sustain themselves. They consume their own children. And, and that's a picture of like how unthinkable this is. Like, you know, it, like, and, it, and obviously, you know, it's, it's not a statement about God's sovereignty. It's a statement about how horribly unthinkable these actions are. That, you know, God is saying, it never came into my mind. Like, again, it's not like, well, I, oh, there's something I didn't think of. Let's burn children. No, he's saying that's how horrific it is. Like the action itself. Is, is such that, um, that it, it's, uh, like it's a way of saying it. it's completely unthinkable. Um, and you, know, you get uh, you know, the renaming here. It will no longer be co called Topheth or the Valley of the Son of Hinnom, but the Valley of Slaughter. And again, it's not, um, it, it's, that's indicating a change of purpose that's gonna happen in this place. This is gonna be the place where, where people are slaughtered, um, not out of sacrifice to some deity, but out of God's judgment brought upon all the evil deeds of this people. Yeah, Jay. 
they are dramatic, like, and again, this is dramatic, like, it, you know, it, it's not drama for the sake, like sometimes like drama is for the sake of drama, like, um, th this is a, a, like, he's taken him, them here, and notice he preaches the sermon first, like he, he tells them, pronounces the word of the Lord to them, that recounts and gives them all the cause, you know, all the becauses, because you slaughtered the innocents, because you sacrificed your sons and daughters in this place, you know, because, 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 um, and then, whoosh, you know, the shattering of it, like, what a visible picture, um, as you say, like, they're right there in the smoking, trash-filled valley um, where, and he's saying, this is where you'll be slaughtered. And they're like, oh, okay. Let's go back into the city now. <laughs> uh, let's move on. Um, yeah, it, and you get the, the sinful Ninevites hear Jonah and they repent. The people who've had the word of God, um, you know, had the book of Deuteronomy recently rediscovered, you know, in their lifetimes, rediscovered in the temple and proclaimed to all the people in the, the reforms of Josiah, they've had that word clearly proclaimed. They've had prophets like Jeremiah come and proclaim that word to them, and they refuse to listen. And that's why we get this, you know, um, pronouncement at the end of the chapter. Um, because they have stiffened their neck, refusing to hear my words. So it's not ignorance. <laughs> um, it, it's not, oh, if only we had known better. It's, no, I don't want to do it. Like, it's that stiff-necked refusal to obey God. Um, so, you know, and, and you're right, the contrast with other peoples, and like, especially like you think of that Jonah story in light of what we read last week, you know, if at any time I declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I'll pluck up and break down and destroy it, and if that nation concerning which I have spoken turns from its evil, I will relent of the disaster that I intended to do to it. Like, so, like, that is the, like, preeminent example of, of what that looks like. Um, we have a, a living example of that in the prophet Jonah. Um, but the, the flip side is, if a nation does not repent and returns, God's going to shatter them. Um, and that's what we see happening to the people here in these verses. Yeah, right.
yeah, that, that you know, it, it is a, um, you know, a foreshadowing of the ultimate judgment that God brings. Like, um, and, and just like this judgment is, is deserved, and this judgment is because of stubborn, hard-hearted refusal to believe uh, in God and in God's word, so that judgment um, that we see in, in Revelation is the result of the same persistent commitment to evil um, and, and refusing to, to listen. Um, all right, so, so Jeremiah, uh, we, we get, like, uh, we don't know exactly when this is. <laughs> we can kind of, like, can't, like, most people think it's during uh, King Jehoiakim, uh, but we know exactly where it is, <laughs> and I love that. Like, he, he puts us in a geography in this, and the geography reinforces the message he's proclaiming. So he goes from... Um, he goes from the, the Valley of Hinnom and the, the Potsherd Gate to the Temple Courts and, and, and preaches the word of the Lord in the Lord's house. Um, and it, you know, it, you know, we just have like a one verse summary of what the message he's proclaiming is. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, behold, I'm bringing upon the city and upon all its towns all the disaster that I have pronounced against it, because they have stiffened their neck, refusing to hear my words. Um, and then in chapter 20, we get this chief officer, uh, a priest by the name of Pasher, um, uh, you know, responding to Jeremiah. So why, yeah, why does Pasher, this, um, you know, it's, it's kind of like, the temple police <laughs> might be a way to think of it. Uh, so he goes to the temple courts. He pre preaches this message, and 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 he he's uh, arrested, beaten, and um, put in the stockade by Pasher. So why? Um, let's focus on like what's Pasher. Why is Pasher doing what he's doing? And then we'll end on what happens to to Pasher, or what will happen to Pasher. Um, but but why? Or what does this what does this tell us? Yeah, Dave. Yeah, no, he you're I think you're absolutely right. He's he, he's gone there and he's preaching this message and, and it's, it's not the official message that's coming from, as we saw last time, uh, it's not the council of the priest or the wise or the other prophets. Clearly it's his speech. Yeah, like he, he's prophesying judgment when like the, the words that Jeremiah consistently puts in the mouths of the other prophets is peace, peace. Like they're going around saying all is fine, all is well, um, even in the midst of the coming judgment of God, even while that judgment is going on, they're like, oh, it's not gonna last. <laughs> um, you know, or, um, uh, so you, you kind of get two ways of captivity. Um, you know, Nebuchadnezzar takes the city, 
he carries a bunch of the leaders off into captivity. That's when Ezekiel, for example, gets dragged off um, to Babylon. Uh, and then you get 10 years later or 12 years later, the, the, the boom, <laughs> the real boom falls. Uh, so you kind of have two waves of captivity. Even after the first fall of Jerusalem, they're like, oh, it's only going to be two years. You know, they're like, it's, it's going to be short. And Jeremiah is writing and saying, no, build houses in Babylon. You're going to be there a while. Um, and so even when the judgment itself is, is being enacted, you have these false prophets, you know, proclaiming, no, no, it, it'll be fine. We're good. No need to repent. You know, all is well. Um, when, when Jeremiah is like, no, all is not well. God's judgment is, is coming. I am bringing upon this city and all its towns all the disasters that I have pronounced against it. Like he, he, and they, they don't want to hear it. Um, there, there's this, this idea that it's not the, the happy message that he wants to hear. Um, as one commentator uh, put it, since Jeremiah's message was not one of happiness and smooth sailing ahead, his words were greeted with hostility and anger. And there's some irony here. Um, so uh, this, this same word um, uh, that's used here of calling Pasher an overseer of the house of God. Um, if you look back in Jeremiah 1, when Jeremiah is called, um, he's called to be uh, an overseer of the nations. Like that same word. See, I've set you this day over nations, over kingdoms. It's the same word. So Pasher has been put over the temple, uh, you know, and, and is there to guard it. And in doing so, he's throwing God's prophet, whom God has called to oversee nations, uh, kicking him out. <laughs> so the, the, the human authority is, is, is driving out of the temple God's authority and having them beaten and having them put in, in the stocks. And um, it's not just um, like, you know, it, like you, my kids have done this. Like you go to Colonial Williamsburg, they've got the stocks there. You stick your hands and arms in there, get your picture made. It's all fun. Like, no, this is, this is torturous what they're doing to him. Like it's, it's, it takes a physical toil on his body. Like it's so it's, you know, it, he's beaten and then he's put into a torture device where he is mocked and, and humiliated and, and tortured. Um, and that is Pashur's response to, to him proclaim, and what, what's he done? To, what, what crime has he committed? He's proclaimed God's word in God's house. Um, and he is being beaten and tortured and punished for that.
that, and, and as you say, it's the people who should know. You know, here you have a priest, uh, the son of a priest, in God's house. He's the, if anyone should recognize the word of the Lord, you know, these are the people who, who should be recognizing it. Like, it's one thing for a king, like a political, like, you know, okay, this religious word doesn't fit with my geopolitical aims at the moment. Like, so, you know, it, it'd be one thing if it's just political authorities rejecting Jeremiah's religious message. But no, it's, you know, last chapter and this chapter, the emphasis on it's the religious authorities, the people, as you say, John, who, who know better um, or should know better. They're the ones who are actively refusing um, and, and twisting uh, and not recognizing the same way, um, you know, last week when I couldn't remember where it was and Grant helpfully, <laughs> helpfully pointed us to Matthew 23, the, the woes that Jesus is pronouncing upon the scribes and Pharisees. Like, they're the ones of all the people who should recognize the signs of the Messiah's uh, presence in Israel. You know, the, the dead are raised, the blind see. Like, you know, <laughs> these are all things that have been, you know, been given as signs of the Messiah's presence, and they're like, nope, not him. Let's kill him. Um, and here, you know, again, as you say, the, it, the place where you would think God's word would get its best reception, like in God's temple. Like, and notice he uses like the full name um, in, in both pronouncements. Uh, hear the word of the Lord, O kings of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. So it's like the full title and name of God. The same thing he says in the temple. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. So he's making it very clear uh, where this word is coming from. It is coming from the, the God of Israel, the Lord, Yahweh, um, the Almighty. Like, so that who's, that's whose word this is. And the response is, lock him up, not listen. Um, later, we'll see Jeremiah gets banned from the temple. <laughs> it's like, all right, we can't have this guy coming here to speak anymore. So you're, you know, you're, you're banned. Like, you can't come in. And so Jeremiah writes all God's words down on a scroll, hands them to Baruch, and Baruch goes and reads them in the temple. Um, so, um, but, but this, this, you know, this is the place where God is to be acknowledged and worshipped, and instead of acknowledging and worshipping that God, they're rejecting God's messenger because they reject God's word. Yeah, Dave. Um, Pasher is actually, um, like, there are actually two Pashers in Jeremiah, if you <laughs> can believe it. So it's a, seems to indicate it's a fairly common name at this time. So it's hard, like, later on, um, hold on, I've got the reference somewhere. Um, so if you flip over to Jeremiah chapter 29, um, in verse 26, um, you know, there you have um, uh, 
the Lord has made you priest and said, do, 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 do. Wait, wait. I thought I had, had the wrong verse. Hold on. 20, 29, 26. Why am I not seeing it? 29, 26. Yeah, so there's a pasher later who is um, the son of Malchiah. Yeah, who knows? It's a common name. And there's another pasture in Jeremiah, although I wrote the verse down. So there's another, what the 2926 was, there's another overseer of the temple later on in the book. So, um, so most people read, which that one is coming in the time of Zedekiah. So there's thought that pasture gets taken off in that 597 first captivity. So the pasture uh, here uh, gets dragged off into Babylon. And buried there. Yes? Well, he's, we've already been told if I had sent Moses. This people wouldn't listen. You know, if I, you know, if I sent uh, Samuel, this people wouldn't listen. So, like, it, so it has nothing to do with the status of the person whom God has sent. Like, you know, God tells us, like, because you know, we saw that that state earlier where Jeremiah is kind of like, you know, in a huff, like, why does nobody listen to me? And he's like, you know. I could send Moses and this people are so stiff-necked and stubborn that they, they, they wouldn't listen. And it's God's way to send the small things like, like, why are the apostles a bunch of nobodies? You know, that's God's mechanism. He chooses, you know, the things that the world looks down upon to, to bring down the great powers, like, you know, to speak truth to them. Like, so the, the point isn't, um, who is Jeremiah, and is Jeremiah worthy to be God's prophet? God has made Jeremiah to be his prophet from his mother's womb. That is what God has intended Jeremiah to be. That is, Jeremiah being God's prophet is the single most defining characteristic of his life. He doesn't marry, he doesn't mourn, he doesn't go to celebrations. Why? Because he's God's prophet. Um, he, he's been set apart, sanctified for that purpose. Um, and, and, you know, he, he has the ears of people. Like, they, they come and listen to him. Like, you know, the elders of the people, some of the elders of the priests, they go with him to the gate. So, like, there's this recognition that this is a, a man from God. It's, you know, the, the, the problem doesn't lie in Jeremiah's effectiveness the problem lies in their stubborn refusal to listen. Um, all right, so let's, uh, and what happens to Pasher? Just to, like, he, he's dragged off into captivity. Yep. Yep. And again, it seems. Yeah. 
Yeah, so, and again, he's one of these ones who has, you know, why is this happening? Well, it's not just what he's done to Jeremiah, but he is part of this complex of false messaging. <laughs> like he's been prophesying falsely. that he, he, he sees it all take place. Um, he experiences it, like the, the exile and being taken off. And notice, um, like, the emphasis here is, you know, all your friends, they shall fall by the sword of their enemies while you look on. Like, you, you know, so it is, the emphasis is, you are going to see it. You're going to witness it. Um, you'll see how... Um, you know, I will give all the wealth of the city, all its gains, all its prized belongings, all the treasure. Like, it uses four different words for stuff. <laughs> um, like, so, and, and then it uses three words for um, how it's going to be plundered, seized, and carried. <laughs> um, and for the first time, like, this is the first time Babylon is specified. Up to this point, it's been disaster from the north. Now we're, we're given a, a place. You know, we're given a name of the coming disaster. We're given a name to the instrument of God's punishment of, of his people. It's, it's Babylon. And, and as Pastor Kerr says, like Pasher is going to be the witness and, um, uh, to the truth of God's word through God's prophet Jeremiah. The, the one who they're all saying, he's prophesying lies, that's not going to happen. Peace, 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 no judgment, no repentance necessary. Keep, keep going as you are. He's going to see how wrong he was and experience how wrong he was. Like he's going to both witness God's judgment even as that judgment, um, he, he's suffering it. All right, so um, we're going to pick up uh, next time when we pick up in verse 7 of chapter 20. Uh, we get another one of, of Jeremiah's kind of um, confessions. So, um, and it, there seems to be like his reaction to what's just happened to him in the temple. <laughs> so the story, even though I broke the narrative, uh, the narrative ends in verse 6 and verse 7, you know, starts poetry. Um, so uh, that's why I used as my transition point. Um, it, it seems to be the poetry is Jeremiah's response to what he's just happened to him. And we'll see he's, um, yeah, his complaint um, to God. Uh, and again, we get this, this idea of God has deceived him. <laughs> um, and, 
you know, why am I being put in the stocks and beaten and tortured this way? Um, all right, well, let's uh, close our time together in prayer. Lord God, we do thank you um, for uh, your word that you did send prophets uh, like Jeremiah to speak your truth, um, and, and people didn't listen. So uh, we pray that uh, we too know we have um, evil, stubborn hearts. Uh, we want to do the things that we purpose for ourselves to do and don't want to, to follow your word or commands. Uh, pray that you would um, give us ears to hear uh, those who proclaim your word, who come alongside us, uh, whether it's um, you know, in the worship, hearing your word proclaimed and having your spirit convict us of sin, or if it's in the words of a, a sister who comes and, and tells us of uh, ways our paths uh, have gone astray, um, may you give us um, ears to hear your word, uh, regardless of, of who's bringing it to us, that we would be um, convicted by the truth of your word and the power of your Holy Spirit working in us, um, that we would uh, have repentant hearts that turn from our sin and turn toward you, uh, that we might give you uh, worship and glory and, and follow you in obedience. Um, Lord, we confess in our own strength we cannot do this. Uh, so we pray for um, that uh, for that spirit, um, for our union with Christ, that you would be working uh, in and through us uh, to do the things that you have called us to do. Uh, we thank you for the opportunity, uh, even as we close this time in your word. Uh, we thank you for the opportunity to hear your word proclaimed uh, in the coming hour. Uh, may we not just be hearers of it, but doers as well. Um, may we uh, worship you in spirit and truth. And we lift us all up in the name of our matchless Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.